Hello and welcome to Radio, a podcast produced by the Entrepreneurs Organization in South Africa for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Ross Drakes, and we have our, our hosts in, in, in theory. Rich Mulholland is in Cape Town living his best life on some sort of a motorized vehicle. Um, and today I'm sitting with Dean Carlson, the CEO and founder of BrainFarm. Welcome, Dean. Thank you very much, Ross. Thanks for having me. So the easiest thing to do is to start off with the same question we ask everyone. Give us um, BrainFarm's elevator pitch. Cool. So we assist our clients in identifying and securing speakers for their conferences. We work with most of the big financial organizations, big IT organizations in South Africa, and we have a couple of um, international clients. Um, in addition to that, we, we um, come up, uh, we conceptualize and create um, our own business conferences like the BCX Disrupt Summit that we had in 2017. And we're currently busy working on uh, quite an exciting event called Sound Idea Sessions with um, Ryan Holiday and Black Coffee, which is coming up on the 7th of November. Nice. Thank you. And how did you, I mean, how did you end up? Tell us a little bit about your journey. How did you get from from where you started to where you find yourself today? Yeah, so it's been a crazy, it's a, it's been a crazy ride. So I kind of like, I, I, I started my first business directly out of school. Um, it didn't last very long, about a year and seven months later, it, uh, I closed the doors. What are you doing? Um, buying and selling computer, um, computer stationery and printing, doing printing on behalf of clients. I didn't own any equipment. I would just go and get the orders, have the stuff printed. It was like in those days, you still had the perforated business forms. And I would go and get the orders, have it printed. And then um, I had, in in the period of one month, I had two clients who, um, who 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 didn't pay me and it, it forced me out of business. Uh, and so you learned the pains of cash flow yeah. very early <laughs> on in your career. Yeah, for sure. So so yeah, I, I did that, and then it it just basically I think I was very lucky in that my parents were um, they whenever I asked them if something if they thought that something whether something would work or not, their their response would always be the same. It would always be like try it. There's only one way to know it is by trying it. And um, in, in, in my journey, I've done like so many different things where I was working at one stage, I was, I was working as a waiter to um, pay for my studies. I, I decided I wanted to go into IT and I, was, I studied IT, like uh, computer science for a little while. And during that time, I couldn't get enough um, shifts to pay for, um, to pay to go, go, go with my friends on a holiday to Cape Town. And... Um, so I decided that the only way I could earn um, extra money would be by doing something outside of what I was doing at that point, uh, um, earning tips. And then I went and bought stress balls. And uh, I had this Corex board printed saying stress balls for sale. And I had this some funny payoff line. And I kind of I started selling these things at, 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 at traffic lights. And um, I kind of like I would come back at night and shake out this bag. Like in the mornings, I would have all these stress balls, and at night I would come back and shake out, shake these bags out, and they would be um, full of cash. And then a couple of weeks later, I started like I had guys selling stress balls on every traffic light next to the N1 for me, and I would just go around like just topping them up, and made enough money to go on holiday and. Um, during that during that trip, um, my, my wife and I, my now wife and I, um, got together, and 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 we now have two beautiful kids, and so I realized that, kind of like putting yourself out there and kind of like doing what it takes, kind of like has benefits beyond what beyond the obvious in in in, in a lot of cases. Um, 
So I then, uh, while I was working as a waiter, um, I had a conversation, I had a chance encounter with a guy who was my favorite author at that stage, a guy by the name of John Keogh. And um, John agreed to have um, a coffee with me and I had all these questions that I wanted to ask him. And one of the first questions, or the first question I asked him was, John, did you always know you were gonna be this successful? And John responded by looking me squarely in the eye and saying, Dean, don't let society fuck with you. And I had no idea what he was talking about. Because firstly, I didn't expect John to swear because he was like this idol. Secondly, I had no idea what he was talking about. So I said, John, please, can you explain? And he said to me that society has a lot of rules in terms of what success means. And if you're chasing those rules, you'll never be successful. The only way to be successful in life is by deciding what success means to you. And when you achieve that, then only can you be successful and only you can decide. And that was a very profound thing in um, a thing that happened in my life. I was like, I was, um, I was in my early twenties when this happened and it caused me to go in a whole new direction because I realized that computer science wasn't my, my definition for success. And I really wanted to work with people and I wanted to be in the personal development industry and work, help people develop. And so a couple of months later, I was in a very fortunate position where I was offered a position to, to basically go um, um, and, and, and promote uh, personal development training programs as an independent consultant to uh, the likes of ESCOM, MultiChoice, SAPI and all these guys. And um, in a very short period within like the first two months, I was the top performing person because I realized that there was an alignment with my passion. And when I kind of bring my passion into what I'm doing, it just increases your chances for success. And um, one thing led to another where I, I ended up running multi um, venue events on behalf of the guys from from Prime Media not so long after that. And um, I then kept on trying to persuade them to go into the live event space, which was my background, because in between I organized extreme sports events sponsored by Red Bull and um, Tiffendale Ski Resort and all this stuff. And then they, um, they one day I arrived at the office and the guys from Prime Media gave me uh, a deck of or a pack of restraints that they wanted me to sign. And there was my cue that I realized that if I signed those documents, I wouldn't be able to get into the live event space. And so what, they didn't want you to, to do this. Or so they, so they, didn't, they didn't want to do it. They didn't want to go into the live event space because they felt that they were they wanted they were committed to the cinema model of pro, um, projecting these speakers from a central venue into cinemas around the country. And those were great. We did amazing stuff. We did an event with Jack Welsh. We did an event back in those days, 2006. We did an event with uh, Lance Armstrong for the launch of Unite for Health. We did events with Robert Kiyosaki and a lot of like big name speakers and it was amazing, but it's just like nothing beats the experience of being having the speaker live in the room. And so I was before that, I was before I joined them, I was also one of my side projects um, was to promote Tony Robbins's live events in the UK. And I would fly groups of people over from South Africa to go and attend these events. And and so I wanted so badly to get back into that space and they didn't, because they didn't want to do it when they gave me these restraints to sign because I, when, I, when, they, when they employed me, they didn't have an HR department in place. So there were no restraints of trade. There was like, it wasn't a thing. So when they kind of grew to a point where they, where they realized that all the, the early guys, the guys who got in early, never signed these documents, 
they gave me this document to sign and then I just decided this was time for me to leave. And um, I then basically conceptualized and created the Discovery, what, uh, the event that later became known as the Discovery Leadership Summit, which um, I started working on in 2008 and then launched in June 2009 where we had at the inaugural event, we had Richard Branson, Malcolm Gladwell, um, uh, Sean Thompson, et cetera, et cetera. So how did you, I mean, how do you pitch that idea to discovery? How do you, <clears throat> how do you take something so out of what their core business is and yes. convince them to, to, to take this, this step? Yeah. So I think, I think there's a, it was a combination of things like in those days, like in, in, in uh, prior to 2009, prior to the inaugural Discovery Leadership Summit, there, there were no multi-speaker uh, business conferences with international lineups like we like like the Leadership Summit and, 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 and Disrupt Summit and all of those. And so there was a uniqueness to that idea in a South African market, at least. I mean, like globally, there were lots of stuff like that. And so I... I basically, we, we didn't want to sell naming rights to that event. We just wanted sponsors to contribute to making this idea come alive. And the event was actually going to be called Thought Propeller. And when we presented, we had a couple of potential clients lined up. We had one, one, one of the financial uh, companies, one of Discovery's competitors offering to take one of our gold sponsorship packages. But, but because we, we weren't um, going to allow conflicting sponsors um, on the on the on the event, we were holding off on that, and then when we eventually got invited to go and meet with the guys from Discovery, they said, "Listen, we love this, but we don't want to share it. We kind of we want naming rights. We want exclude. We want to be the exclusive sponsor." And so it with I think that as much as the event was unique, I think also luck plays a big role when it comes to um, selling these these type of projects because they're not. Um, uh, affordable, like most, like there's, a, there's only a handful of uh, potential sponsors who could afford um, putting together a big event like that. And the reason luck is so important is that we, the reason this, the guys from Discovery were so keen from a timing point of view, it worked out so well because they were just about to launch Discovery Invest into the market. And we had we were oblivious to this. I mean, like we didn't know that Discovery Invest was about to be launched. You're but supposed to pretend like you knew this and you designed the event I would, specifically to suit their <laughs> needs because you're a mastermind business human. I would, you saw a gap that nobody else could figure I out. I would love I would love to be able to say all of those things, but uh, it's 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 all luck. <laughs> I think I think it's just like Nassim Taleb from the Black Swan. Basically, he says like he says the same thing. He says like it's. It's, it's all random. It's all luck, and we can put ourselves in situation in situations where we're more likely to encounter luck by attending events where we're more likely to bump into people who can assist us in moving things forward. So, so I think, and that's just one example where you can put yourself into those situations. But I think the reality is that I've kind of like I've been around it long enough to realize that that. Um, I'm not that superhuman. Like I'm, I'm super passionate. Like that's probably my superpower. I love what I do, and I keep going until I get where I want to be. And even if I don't, I, I pick myself up, and then I keep going again until I get there. So I think that's like if there's any superpower that I do have, it would probably be that. But um, crystal balls, I don't actually know where to find them, man. So, so now you found it. Has has Brain Farm come into existence yet? 
Yeah. Um, so so that, that the so, brain farm so, was the company that then created this discovery. So no, so I was like that was done with the, under another like under a different entity. So I actually left the Discovery Leadership Summit in two thousand and eleven to go and start a completely unrelated business um, in partnership with Prime Media. So I was um, asked to become an ambassador for the city of Joburg's growth and development strategy, uh, focusing specifically on smart cities. This was under Mayor Parks Tower. And through my involvement with them, I identified a, a completely unrelated opportunity that kind of like uh, from a timing point of view worked out really well. So I moved on from the leadership summit in 2011. And then what happened was the moment I moved on from the leadership summit, uh, people in the industry, because of the visibility around the leadership summit, people in the industry started phoning me up and say, saying to me, listen, we, we, we believe you're no longer with the leadership summit. We've got this event coming up. Please will you assist us in, in, in finding a speaker for it. And historically, we always kind of always assisted these people by just putting them in direct contact with the speakers. But then when I moved on from the leadership summit, I realized that there's potentially an opportunity there. So I spoke to the guys at Prime Media and I said, listen, I've got these opportunities coming in and I, I would love to keep these conversations going because it helps me to stay relevant with the speakers but um, I need you to be okay with it. And they said, listen, we're fine with it as long as it has an impact on your commitments to us. And within one year of me taking the first booking, I ended up bringing more speakers into the country than I did in three years of running the Leadership Summit. So at that point, I could no longer say to them with confidence that it wasn't impacting on my commitments to them. So I exited from the business with, with Prime Media and that was really when Brain Farm was born in 2013. So we 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 have we've since then we've supplied speakers to the World Bank in in Washington. We've sent speakers off to uh, Tel Aviv, Israel. We had, um, for example, we had Dr. David B. Agus, who was Steve Jobs' doctor, who also works with Al Gore and um, Neil Young and all the guys uh, speak at a, at a conference in in Tel Aviv, Israel. We um, often send speakers into Africa. We have, like, we've brought lots of incredible speakers into the country on the speaker side of our business. But um, that um, my, my focus is predominantly on the, on the event side, which basically came to life again in 2017 when we launched the BCX Disrupt Summit. And um, at that event, we had Will I Am as our headline speaker. Um, we had um, uh, Richard Mulholland came, came through and spoke, spoke at that event as well. We had uh, Jane McGonigal, we had Lars Silberbauer from Lego. Um, in total, we had seven international speakers. And then day two was um, a global first um, masterclass hosted by Malcolm Gladwell. Um, he had never done, hosted a live masterclass before. And the only reason we were able to get that is because of the fact that we had an existing relationship with them. Um, and 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 he effectively came and spent a whole day teaching people about um, success, really. I mean, because that's a golden thread that goes through all of his work. And um, so that was Brain Farm's um, first event um, as an independent Brain Farm event that was sponsored by BCX. And will that happen again, or is that a one-off? <clears throat> so the idea originally was for it to um, be more than a one-off. Um, so we're hoping that at some stage it will it will kick off again. But I think that with um, with with changes at BCX, um, a decision was made to put to put that on ice. So so hopefully one day. But for now, we kind of 
we we're very focused on creating a new conference in um, that that's scheduled to go live um, twenty twenty September twenty twenty in New York City, multi speaker business conference as well. Basically, looking at how technology can be used. Um, sorry, how technology can be used to address uh, some of the, um, the the global development goals uh, of the United Nations. And, and there we're working with some international partners. So we're super excited about that event. And so you now, you've, you've taken this company from pulling talent into South Africa, you're now actually going externally into the world and, and setting up events in different locations. That's, that's the dream. I think we kind of like, I, I feel like by, by, by um, kind of say, saying yes to that off the cuff, I kind of like I would, like there's a degree of imposter syndrome that would kick in because we haven't officially done, a, done our first events outside of South African borders. We've supplied speakers for those, but but as our, as our first event, we kind of like, we, we, we have been working on this particular event in New York for about two years now. And um, once that happens, then with confidence, I can say yes. And then we've got, even with the event we're busy working on that's coming up in November, we have, um, Global aspirations with that. Who the hope is to do the next one um, in New York City. Um, so, so absolutely, that is that is the the dream too. And do you think you know? Because sort of contrary to the a lot of the narrative I hear when I talk to people about South Africa and South African businesses, the, yes. the main drive I'm hearing is you know I want to get out. I want to go to another location and I'm going to build something from there. Yes, it sounds like you are staying here and building something international whilst keeping yourselves yourself here. yeah i think i think the big thing is with, with what we do it's uh, i'm very lucky because i mean like i think quite often because of the stuff that we do the spotlight falls on me because um because i'm the person heading heading up these initiatives but i think the reality is that it takes it takes a lot of really smart smart committed people to deliver on these projects and um, I'm, I'm, I'm one person, I'm not capable of doing all of that. And, and I think one thing that I've, I've come to realize is that one of my mentors, um, a guy by the name of Ken Bereges, used to always say to me, Dean, business is all about the people. And at the time when he first started telling me that, I didn't quite understand it, but like, I think like every time I'm in the, in, in, in the thick of things, I'm busy trying to move a new idea forward. I'm reminded of how true that is, of how we, in spite of like everything we've got, um, in spite of everything we've learned and kind of like, we still rely on people to assist us, especially in our industry. I think there may be industries that are, that are different, but with what we do, we rely so heavily on the support of people of our communities. And I think because of that, it took me close to two decades to build up this network that a South African network who's busy, the, who are busy um, huddling behind the projects that we're busy working on. And we're only now starting to kind of like build our networks outside of South Africa. And, 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 and really so much of, of the success of what we've achieved in the past boils down to, to, to the power of our networks. So, um, which is also part of the reason why I'm excited about now being part of the EO community because of the fact that it kind of like it offers that level of access into into new markets, and um, so yeah, I think we we definitely do intend on on staying in South Africa, 
long term i don't know where it's gonna go but for now i don't have any plans of of, of packing up and leaving so do you think that your kind of portfolio and your kind of credential sheet only gets you so far when you leave the the borders do you think it's going to be yes difficult to it is i think it's it's um i think for example i mean like I, i'm not i'm not concerned about it and i think part of the reason why we focused in why why um so excited about New York is because through our network we've had the most incredible. Um, uh, uh, we, we've got access through the most incredible team of people in New York. So the, um, the 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 production team behind the event we're working on there is probably like one of the strongest in the world globally that you can like that I can at least think of. And it's through it's it's as a result of relationships that we build up over many years with some of the speakers that we've worked with over the years. Where we've we've gone out and say, said to them, guys, listen, we like the event that we spoke at in South Africa. We're trying to create something similar in New York, and um, we would be very grateful if you could assist with access to people in your community who could help us make these ideas come alive. And I've been overwhelmed with the the positive response and the the level of introductions that we've been that we've received from from some of these people, where you arrive at a venue and 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 these guys roll out the red carpets for you because of the because of where those intros came from. So it's again, it's the power of the network. It's really like where the where 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 so much of the value of Brain Farm is is in those relationships that we build up. So so I mean, just coming back to something you were talking about earlier, you, you know, you said when you were transitioning into your your business with um, multi-choice uh, that you wanted to maintain those connections with the speakers or yes. maintain, I think, relevance with the speakers yes. is the word you use. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about how you go, like how you, how do you build these networks? How do you treat these people? Like yes. what is your thinking around that when yes. you're putting these kind of Malcolm Gladwells of the world into, into South yes. Africa? So I think, I think it's, 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 I realized I was lucky at a kind of, for, for so many years, I spent I spent all my time reading every book I could get my hands on, and I kind of resonated because of where I came from. Um, I tend to um, I, I picked up books like guys like Richard Branson's books, for example, or, or Tony Robbins's books, and Malcolm Gladwell's books, and all of these people, and I would read these books and I, I would devour them, and kind of like I would like as I put down one book, I would pick up the next, and so these guys became like almost like these demigods in my head. Like I kind of like I wanted so badly just to meet them. And 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 for a long time I kind of like I uh, I would go out and try to I would write by hand, write letters to these guys, like the likes of Branson and 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 and, and Tony Robbins and all these guys. And and quite like most of the time, not one of these like like one of these guys that back in those days, the international guys ever responded to me personally. I would get responses from their offices, effectively blowing me off. And and I was like kind of like I was a waiter, so I mean like I kind of like I didn't like it was not much incentive for them to come back to me. And so when I started running these events, because of that kind of like build up to that point, I kind of like I really valued those relationships and. I would go out of my way to 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 look after these guys. When they arrived in the country, I made sure that they were looked after in 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 in, in every way. Like their their feet would barely touch the ground, and 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 just make sure that they that they looked after really well. And um, I think that it's it's a it's really about the mindset. It's about because you because of the fact that you value those guys, you go out of your way to make sure that they've got everything they need. 
And so an example of that was when Nassim Taleb arrived in the country in 2010 to come and speak at the Discovery Leadership Summit. Somebody knocked over a, a cup of coffee on his, on his um, Blackberry. It was black in the, back in the Blackberry days. And How far we've come. And, <laughs> and he was quite stressed out about that because he was like disconnected from the rest of the world and kind of there was a traffic jam. We had to get directly from the airport to Discovery's offices for a press conference. And there was a traffic jam, so we got a call to say, listen, you're not going to make it in time if you come, if you come, if you drive in. We had a car waiting outside. And um, he was on the, he came, on, came in on the same flight as Stephen Dabner from Freakonomics. And um, I, I had to say, uh, I said to them, guys, listen, we're not going to make it in time if we take the car. The car is waiting outside, we're not going to make it to the press conference in time. If you wouldn't mind jumping on the car train with me, I've got a car waiting for us outside the car train. As we arrived at the scent and stop in ha at the car train, I handed Nassim a brand new Blackberry. And he looked at this and it was the exact same Blackberry that, that somebody had spilled a cup of coffee on. And he looked at this and he was kind of like, he, 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 he didn't know what to say. He was just like so grateful that he kind of like was able to reconnect again. And later that day, he, uh, just after the press conference, he was in the office with, um, with Adrian Gore, it was just the two of them with um, with one of their one of their colleagues, and the colleague came out after the after this meeting, and he said to me, "You know what, Nassim Taleb just gave you the most incredible compliment in front of a, like to Adrian Gore." And I said to him, "What did he say?" He said that he asked Adrian a question. Adrian didn't know how to answer the question, so Nassim Taleb responded by saying, "Just ask Dean. He's like Zorro. He just goes like this, and and it's done." And and I pride myself in kind of being able to deliver, to be that person, to make sure that it's like, again, it's, there's a whole team behind me. So it's just like a lot of these things I can't really take credit for, but it's as a team, we kind of make sure that we create those type of experiences. So as a result of, a, of this particular experience with Nassim and a couple of things that happened around that, when we were standing backstage, just before he was about to go on stage, he said to me, like, I said to him, have you got everything you need? And he said, Dean, I'm dying for a cup of coffee. And I said to him, walk with me. And we took five steps to the right and there was a barista set up backstage and I handed him a, a double espresso. And as he was about to take a sip, he looked me in the eyes and he said to me, Dean, I've been participating in these events around the world and never in my life ever been taken care of like this. And I want to thank you for that. And, and that to me is like really more, um, that level of acknowledgement is more valuable than, 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 than anything else that could probably come out of what we do. And I think that after years of kind of like um, living this approach and kind of like going out of our way to make sure that we kind of like, we treat these people like royalty because they're the lifeblood of our business. Mm. And it's, it's, it's over many years of doing, of, 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 of living this, it's um, it started bearing fruit, and 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 I think it's like the whole Adam Grant thing of give and take. We kind of like we assume that people who who in it for themselves and who take will 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 benefit more. But in the long run, the guys who give unconditionally eventually kind of like that pendulum swings, and 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 I think that's really what we've experienced in our business because. Um, these 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 speakers we've worked with over the years of just kind of like after many years of of, of um, building relationships with them have just kind of like in the most incredible way have started supporting us and opening their networks to us. It's very interesting that you say that. I think it's 
it's nice to hear because so often you you see those people who made the quick buck and made billions and run off with it but it's it's nice to hear that you can yeah kind of build i mean you're now essentially building a global business yes of introductions yes that people indirect you know kind of out of your direct sphere of influence on yes. making on your behalf yes um, yeah, and, and that's, I think the thing is also that it's a it's a it's a small community. I mean, like it's just like the guys who speaking at um, the World Economic Forum, speaking at TED, and all of these events. It's a small community, and these guys talk. I mean, like we kind of like, and I think that that it's also it's it's it's. Um, it's an amazing thing like if you stick around long enough and i think if we kind of had gone in and done like one or two events we never would have seen that benefit but it's like kind of like because we're, these guys are realizing that we're in it for the long haul and then you get to a point where some of these guys will invite you over to their house for cheese and wine and stuff and then they will mention something and next thing they're introducing you to somebody else or you try to access a particular speaker who works for a publication but doesn't have like a public front so you can't get through to him through a, a, an agent or through his website because those platforms don't exist. But because you know that he works with this person who you've worked with before, you kind of, it's an easy thing to ask for that intro. And, um, and so, yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been an incredible experience. Huh? So what do you think in this idea of treating people in an exceptional way? What do you think is the, the key thing? You know, because you're saying that you've got this team doing it. It's like, how do you brief so, a team to deliver on something exceptional that you haven't necessarily sat and been like, these are all the exceptional moments that need yeah. to, you know, like I need you to have five blackberries ready just yeah. in case so, a cup of coffee is spilt. I, uh, think it, I think it's really a mindset more than anything else. And I think like, it's it's i mean like we're a tiny a tiny team i mean like but i think that the reality is like it's a mindset that the team like the people that you bring in you need to screen for from the beginning if 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 um if it's not in place if it's kind of like not part of somebody's dna it's got to be very difficult to train that in and 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 i think even with the bigger team as we get closer to to our events like during the year when we're not when we don't have any big events like um on the on the, on the horizon it's it's um it's we we've got a very small core team but then as we get closer to events like on an event like the bcx disrupt summit you'll have like close to 500 people um making sure like from the catering and taking care of all these elements and over many years and um of, of running these type of events you kind of start figuring out um who the suppliers are who the partners are that share this mindset what is that mindset? Could you describe it first? That mindset is really is is one of, I almost want to say like a commitment to excellence, a, a mindset of, of 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 doing whatever it takes to 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 deliver not only for the not not only to the speakers, it's also to the people who attend our events. We kind of like. We, we uh, a good friend of mine, Ronnie Apcheker, is in, is in the movie industry and he always talks about you have to move people. Like when you're creating, like he's, he's done lots of movies, created lots of movies, and he talks about if you don't create like an emotional connection, if you don't meet, move people emotionally, then you're probably, you're probably not going to succeed in your movie. And it's like it's no different with the stuff that we do, with the events that we do. Um, and 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 it's really really just finding a team of people who get that. And sometimes you get it wrong. Like you kind of like you you partner with somebody who comes in and you realize that these guys are in it for for, for a quick buck. 
and those guys you just don't work with again. So it's like kind of like, and and the amazing thing for me is like the guys who the team who I had working with me on the Discovery Leadership Summit. Say ninety percent of those same people we're still working with, and 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 we have no reason to kind of like look outside of that because these guys are incredible. They get it. They know how we work. They know what we how we want things to be done, and 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 I get that it's not about perfection, but let's 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 try and get it as close as possible to to perfection. And that's really how you how you make memories. I mean, like it's that whole thing of Seth, that Seth Godin talks about about edge streaming, about like taking something to to an extreme, creating an extremely positive experience for the people around you. And 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 I think it's um, if you don't do that, you'll just be another um, uh, company in the market competing to the bottom mm. um, because you can't compete on price. It doesn't make sense. I mean, like in the industry, like in in our industry. You've got to focus on creating extra value and, and creating memorable experiences. It's really what it's about. What is the most strange request you've had to field in your in your line of work? Um, let me think. Let me think. Um, uh, that's a tough question. We've had. Uh, yeah, you know what? I think I think from a from a speaker point of view, we, we we don't really. I think I think people kind of like in the music industry, you always hear the hear about these crazy rider requirements where people have like they want like only green M and Ms and stuff like that. With with the stuff we're doing, like generally speaking, like the, the on the speaker circuit, it's actually quite different. We have had some requests for specific types of candles to be set up in 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 speaker holding rooms and and. Um, specific types of tea and, and and stuff like that and I think that I remember that we had a we had a we had a request once this was in 2010 from one of the speakers we worked with who was a New York based speaker and 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 back then he had a specific mineral water that he wanted to drink and it wasn't like readily available in South Africa at that stage so we had to jump through hoops to find this specific water for him and bring it in and the way it was communicated from his office was that he's fine with any water you give him, but he really likes this. And even though it wasn't available, we made sure that we got it from because he really liked that. And yeah. and so yeah, I don't think we've had like really we've had like super you never crazy. had to hide a body or anything. Uh, no, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Thankfully, not. <laughs> but we we've it's had to, time. yeah we've had to assist with like emergency access access to kind of like um, uh, have, it, have get doctors on standby after hours to assist with um, with, with with requirements and stuff like that. But it's like it's nothing like crazy or unusual really. I mean, like it's just like you kind of yeah most of the stuff that we these requests that we fulfill are kind of like things that we kind of take on ourselves. So a speaker will arrive in the country and realize that he's, he's, his camera, camera's memory is full. So and, we, and, and he needs like a memory stick for that. And we'll, we'll, um, and we'll go and find it, not because they ask us to, but just because we kind of like, we want to, we can. Yeah. Right. So now tell me, um, what are you currently working on? What, are, what is filling your time now? So, yeah, we work on a very exciting project at the moment. So, in for the BCX Disrupt Summit in 2017, we tried to get Ryan Holiday to to come and speak at that event um, on the topic of growth hacker marketing. 
And Ryan is a is a is a fascinating guy. He he left university at the age of nineteen to go and do an apprenticeship under uh, Robert Greene, the author of um, Forty Eight Laws of Power. And then at the age of twenty one, Ryan was head of marketing for American Apparel. He built an incredible reputation for himself of being able to put these big marketing campaigns together, having access to very limited resources. And um, we reached out to him and said, listen, we want, you, we want to bring you to the country to come and host a masterclass, teaching people how to promote whatever it is, their products or their services or their music or whatever it is they're taking to market, using growth hacker marketing strategies and techniques. But we want to promote the entire event using growth hacker marketing techniques and strategies. So all the stuff that we've done to promote events like the Leadership Summit and the Disrupt Summit, the Above the Line campaigns, we're using none of that. And I said to Ryan that even though I'm, I, I read all his books, um, I didn't feel confident enough that I'd be able to pull this off without having him in our corner. So he invited me to Austin, Texas, where the two of us sat down and discussed how we were going to take the project to market. And then came back to South Africa, started looking around for venues, and um, we went to, um, to number one Fox Junction. And it was my first time seeing the venue. I was completely blown away. And I saw the adjacent Good Luck Bar, and I realized that it would be such a waste to not bring a musical element into the event and started thinking about how we do that in a relevant way and then thought about it that i'm a, a very big um, very passionate about music and i started i realized that uh, dj black coffee is probably one of the best examples of that because the guy is super talented he's really he's hard working he's got um, all the right elements um, super smart business savvy all of these things but lots of other people in that industry have all those same um, ingredients and we don't know about them. And if you look at the things that made black coffee stand out, um, most of those things are kind of textbook um, growth hacker marketing strategies and, and things that, that, that him and his team applied very carefully over the years. And so we reached out to him and he agreed to join Ryan on stage at the um, at Sound Idea Sessions at our upcoming event. And um, so he'll be, Ryan will be doing a full day. So we'll kick off at around about 8.30 and then carry on until about 3 p.m. From 3 p.m. to 4 p.m., Black Coffee will be joining him on stage for, for, for an in-conversation session. And so we're super excited about the event, but I think the, 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 the part that I'm probably more excited about than anything is really the, the marketing campaign that we build around it. I kind of use the analogy saying that um, I've spent like so many years getting to whatever the level below black belt is in karate, kind of like in promoting these events. And then next day you arrive at the at your dojo or your karate school, whatever they call it, and they hand you a set of boxing gloves and go like, from now on, we, we, we're not allowed to kick anymore. Now get in the ring. And so it's completely new rules, but it's been exhilarating. It's been amazing. So I think an example, the best example of, 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 of Ryan Holiday in terms of how he got, um, how, how he assisted one of his clients in spreading, in um, promoting um, one of their products. So today he works with the likes of Tony Robbins. He works with um, lots of famous musicians and, and, and he does a lot of work with Tim Ferriss whenever Tim launches a new book. Um, Ryan is very involved in that process. And, 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 and so one of the projects that he was very involved with that I think kind of like 
um, is a very good example of, 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 of getting ideas to spread at, without having a huge access to budget was um, a guy by the name of Tucker Max wrote that book, I Hope They Serve Beer in Hell. And um, an independent studio approached them and asked if they could turn this book into a movie. Tucker signed off and when it was time to start taking the movie to market, realized that they didn't have budget to take it to market. And somebody said to him, listen, Ryan Holiday is your guy, speak to him. And Ryan sat down, he had a look at what they were doing and took the bit of budget they had and put up a handful of billboards scattered through America. Then he created a fictitious email address and sent out emails to targeted blogs and news publications saying that I'm so disgusted with the fact that this movie had been made that I'm going to go and destroy this particular billboard at a certain time. Got his girlfriend to drive him there. He was dressed all in black, put a balaclava over his head, jumped over the fence, destroyed this billboard. And now these guys from the blogs and news publications that he reached out to are sitting at the bottom snapping photos. And this goes viral. And as it goes viral, the, as, as it starts going viral, the people picking up on this, the guys who voted Donald Trump into power kind of resonated with what was happening here and they went and did the same thing. And every time one of these billboards got destroyed, it just had this cascading effect and it became bigger and bigger and bigger. And there was this massive fuck um, uh, buzz around, around this movie online. The movie was a huge success and they spent almost no money promoting it. And so the exciting thing for us, and it's, 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 it's been unnerving on uh, some days, but I mean, like the, 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 it's been such an incredible experience, kind of like trying to figure out ways of finding unique ways of getting people to talk about what we're busy, busy doing. And one of those things was something that kind of like really happened completely by chance was I, I heard about this artist by the name of Percy Mamela. And Percy worked in a grocery store and somebody knocked over a bag of salt in the back of the grocery store in the storeroom. And instead of cleaning it up, he went and played around in, this, um, in, in the salt. And by the time it was done, it had turned into this unbelievably beautiful portrait. And it looks like a photo, like a, somebody had taken a black and white photo of, of somebody. And, 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 and I reached out to Percy and sat down with him and said to him, Percy, what you're doing is so unbelievable. We want to commission you to come and do an art, art installation for us as part of the announcement of, 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 of this event that we're busy working on. And the only catch is we, we need you to use coffee instead of salt, coffee ground. And Percy started explaining why this wasn't an option. And I said to him that I wanted him to reconsider his position on that because of the fact that we were doing this event involving black coffee and we needed him to do an art installation of black coffee to announce, to announce his participation in the event. And um, Percy went quiet and he said to me, um, I've been wanting to do something of black coffee for such a long time and I don't know why I never got around to it. But now that you're standing here in front of me, I'm realizing that was be it's because God wanted me to wait for you to come and tell me and do this art installation and coffee as opposed to salt. So yes, I'll figure out how to do it. We then bought Percy some coffee and a few days later he sent us a photo of one of these um, um, portraits that he started doing one of his practice runs and it is unbelievably beautiful. We took the idea to the guy from Santon City who agreed to give us space to, to do this as a live art installation. And um, we insisted that we wanted the, the main activation space, Checkers Court in Santon City. 
And they said that they would agree to give us that space if the artist would increase the size of his, his usual size of two meters by two meters by taking this up to four meters by four meters. We then reached out, based on the response we were getting to around the story, we reached out to the Guinness World Record Committee and asked whether they would consider this art installation as a Guinness World Record. And they came back saying there were actually a number of similar um, attempts in the past, and there were similar records made from various food materials, including, including salt. But if we could increase the size of this art installation to five meters by five meters, then they would consider it as a world record. We went and got Percy some more coffee. And now on the 12th of September, uh, we'll have a Guinness World Record adjudicator in Santon City um, basically announcing Percy's world record. We're doing to kind of maximize on this excitement around it. We obviously we're doing the obvious things like PR and social media and all of that. And it's a public event. So we want kind of like we the idea is to get as many people as possible to come through. And we we kind of like um, offering them free cups of black coffee to come and, and they'll be served in branded event cups. And um, we we we're in discussion. We're in the final stages of firming up with the with the kids from Hilton College, who will come through and play a song um, uh, um, on their marimbas at the at the event. And as the as the announcement gets made, um, there'll be a live broadcast by the guys from Kai FM in the form of a black coffee dedication show. And so, all of these elements that we put together. Um, if you look at the cost, how much it costs, like this whole thing costs to put all of this together, it would be very difficult to put up like even a handful of billboards. Mm. And the excitement that this has generated <coughs> is just like there's no amount of billboards that you can put up that will generate this amount of excitement around. Maybe anything. you could take down all the billboards and that can <laughs> generate excitement. <laughs> and so, and I think that, and billboards are amazing. I mean, like I think we've kind of like there's nothing, there's nothing that beats a feeling of driving past a billboard with something that you're involved with on it. I mean, like I, just, I love billboards, but the reality is just that because we're promoting these events at this particular event, only using growth hacker marketing strategies and techniques, it's forced us to find ways to kind of like unique ways of getting people excited around what we're doing. And so the beautiful thing about this is that the there's such a feel good story behind the whole story about Percy. And I kind of like, I almost feel like I can't take any credit for it. It kind of found me, I mean, like I saw the, I saw Percy was doing the stuff in salt and I was just like, I think the one bit of luck there was that I thought that perhaps he could do this in coffee. But but the amazing thing about it is like where we've been talking to people about it. Uh, I recently had a conversation or when I, when we started working on the idea, I, I had a meeting with the, 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 the editor of uh, Maverick Life, who was a previous editor of, of, of Elle magazine. And she was uh, she's born in Paris and she 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 um, was the first, um, Elle magazine was the first magazine to put black coffee on the cover. So she kind of really gets what we're doing. And when I told her the story about Percy, she responded in this beautiful French accent by saying, oh my God, Dina, I think I'm gonna start crying. And and the amazing thing is that wherever we go around telling people, sharing the story with people in radio interviews, TV interviews, we find that people like the community of the world out there kind of seems almost more excited about Percy's upcoming world record attempt than they do about our event, which I think is beautiful because it's such a feel good story. Yeah. 
about this kid who kind of goes from working in a grocery store to going into the Guinness Book of World Records for doing something that's so unique and the level of excitement that it's generating, not just with the public, but with people like Black Coffee, with, um, has, been, has been a very gratifying experience and a, and, and a very unique experience. And it kind of like the other things that we've done around this event is um, we, we've always had a situation where people kind of like who can't afford to get into the event um, are trying to get in, uh, 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 would reach out to us and ask if they could get tickets to the event. And it's like, you want to kind of like, you want to bring those guys in, but there's like, there's certain commercial realities about yes. these events. So what we've done, and this is actually something that I kind of want to credit Mike Stopworth with, um, where he, I had a conversation with them about how we deal with this. And, 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 and after a bit of pitching and catching, Mike said to me, why don't we get the guys to growth act their way into the event? And so um, we, 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 we're going live um, in the next 24 hours with a Kyber's growth hacker marketing portal where effectively people who don't have the means to, 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 to uh, purchase a ticket to the event can go and create a profile for themselves and um, upload a photo, upload a, little, um, um, a mini bio, upload a motivation as to why people should vote for them. And the way for them to get into the event, to growth hack their way into the event is by getting people to vote for them on their profiles on our website. So when, when you sign off, when you, when you sign up, you create, create a profile. The first 350 people to sign up will each get a free copy of Ryan Holiday's book shipped to them free of charge um, by our value add partner, um, the guys from Parcel Ninja. And then that book will become their toolkit to say, this is how to growth hack your way into the event. But like before the book even arrives, they'll get a welcome pack to say, this is how you can get going in the meantime. And the amazing thing for me about this is that it, it's not linked to social media. So if you have a big social media following, it'll give you an, it'll give you an advantage. But if you have no social media um, following, there's nothing, this is a growth hacker marketing event. So there's nothing, you could pull, up, pull out all the stops. Even if it involves something as simple as reaching out to your community, the people like on your community WhatsApp groups or going to your, your, your minister at church saying like, listen, I'm doing this thing and I would really appreciate if I can have three minutes to talk to, their, talk to the congregation and get, ask the guys in your congregation to vote for you by directing them to our website. And the thing that I love about this is that I, uh, I'm a very big Nassim Taleb fan and, 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 and the idea that like of, of, of anti-fragility is something that I kind of like, I fell in love with the first time I heard about it, but I kind of like, it was a difficult thing for me because I never knew how to apply it in our business. And the whole idea is that we kind of um, assume that the opposite of, of, of fragility is robust. Is if, if you're not fragile, you're robust. And it's not because according to Nassim, the, the opposite of fragility is anti-fragility. And anti-fragility means that if something arrives, if, if a box arrives at your office that says fragile, you've got to be very careful with this. You're not going to want to knock it over. You're not going to want to jump on it or do any of those things. If it arrives and it doesn't say that, you'll assume it's robust. So you're not going to mind too much if you drop it. You, uh, so, but if it arrives with the sign saying anti-fragile, you're going to want to kick this box around. You're going to want to jump on it. You're going to want to bang, like, like just be as hard on this box as you can possibly be on it. And the reason is that anti-fragility means that the harder you treat this thing, the tougher it becomes. 
Mm. And, 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 and the way he explains it, the way Nassim explains it is that every time a commercial airplane falls, it becomes safer for everybody else to fly. And the reason is because all the black box data, all of that stuff gets analyzed and the, the learnings from that gets ingested into the, into the manuals to make sure that the same mistake doesn't get repeated. And so it becomes safer and the system becomes more robust, becomes stronger, becomes anti-fragile. And so this system really does that because of the amount, this um, growth hacker marketing portal achieves the same thing because the more people who want to get into the event, the more people, the stronger the system, harder, yeah. the stronger the system becomes because all of these guys are going out there trying to get into the event. And the way for them to get in is by doing our advertising on our behalf, by going out and getting their communities onto and our website. Also creating other people who want to get into the event. Exactly. And then they're competing with them. Exactly. And then like a couple of things that we've done to kind of like add to that, um, to, to the excitement around that top position is that whoever gets the number one slot out of the, out of the 20 bursaries, the, the, the guy who gets number one, who gets the most votes, will get the bragging rights that comes with that. So they, he'll be the Kyabiz Growth Hacker of the Year. And then in addition to the in, in addition to that, there'll also be a whole bunch of prizes in terms of he'll get a, 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 um, a hot seat where he'll effectively, Ryan Holiday will spend a, a 20 minutes to a half an hour on stage with this person, helping this individual to come up with a growth hacker marketing strategy and strategies and techniques for his or her particular business. And that is incredibly valuable. I mean, like to, to, to pay for a session like that would be like a crazy amount of money. So that, that in itself is a very valuable thing. In addition to that, we've got um, a whole bunch of, 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 of sponsors like putting forward prizes to these people where, for example, they will um, get Google search um, to the value of a couple of, um, couple of thousand US dollars that they can use to promote their events and or, or their, 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 their products or whatever it is that they're selling. So, and this is all done to incentivize these guys. And then to, to feed this pro process, we, we partnered with the guys from Kaya FM to create the Kaya Biz Growth Hacker Marketing slot on radio on Kaya Biz where Ryan Holiday will come on radio and teach people about growth hacker marketing on, on live radio. And then during those slots, at the end of each of those slots, we'll basically say, guys, listen, for those of you who want to learn more, want to know more about Ryan, he's going to be in the country on the 7th of November, exclusive space. For those of you who can't, go and sign up now. First 350 people get the free book shipped to them. And, 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 and so um, the fact that we kind of finally make managed to figure out how to how to um, um, make something in uh, like uh, one of our events anti-fragile is, is something that I'm quite excited about and um, in addition to that we've got a whole bunch of incredible growth hacker marketing partners who effectively um, assisting us in promoting our event to their communities because um, Ryan's whole thing about growth hacker marketing is that it's not a strategy it's not a technique it's a mindset about how do you go about and getting your ideas to spread in the most effective way, most cost-effective way. And, 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 and to, to fill a room with 2,000 people, you don't need to advertise to 20,000 people. You need to advertise to 2,000 of the right people. Mm. And we've, 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 we've been working and identifying those communities and, and partner with those communities by offering them um, uh, discount vouchers that they can, that they can pass to, onto their communities. And as those voucher codes get taken up, um, they get incentivized accordingly. And, um, 
as a result of that, we've kind of like we've we've, we've actually managed to come up with with quite a unique um, approach to taking to taking events to market, which I'm super excited about. And I kind of like I feel that we um, we uh, it is going to be very difficult to to revert back to a traditional so model after this way. because it's so much. This has been so much fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, Dean, we, we are out of time, but that was really, really interesting. Thank you. Um, I'm, I'm definitely going to go apply my thinking to what I'm doing and how, how I'm uh, using these same strategies, because I think every, every one of the listeners out there is wanting to grow their business, especially in our, uh, the economy we're living in now. Uh, it, you know, I think these kind of mindsets are amazing. So if somebody did want to attend, where... Where should they go look for information? So, so they can go onto the Brain Farm website at brainfarm.co.za. Um, that'll link through to the Sound Ideas website, or they can just go directly onto soundideasessions.com. Um, they can always find, also find us on social media on soundideasessions.com. And that event is on the 7th of November um, in number one Fox Junction in, in Johannesburg. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for for being on the show and sharing your journey with us. Thank you so much, Ross. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, Well, you've been listening to Radio, which is a podcast by the Entrepreneurs Organization in South Africa. Um, If you have learned anything today and want to spread our word a little bit, maybe our first step in growth hacking will be for you to give this podcast to one other person so that they can listen to our audience and get a little bit bigger. Um, I really enjoy that because I think sharing knowledge is one of the greatest things you can do, which is why I resonate with your business. Thank you so, so much, much. Raj. Thank you. Um, a quick shout out to the sponsors of EO, Bidvest, McCarthy, and um, LabourNet. You guys are absolutely amazing. And if you get in touch with Dean, he'll give you 25 free tickets each to the Sound <laughs> Sessions event. This is not a, a paid for post and might be a lie. Um, (laughs) um, but thank you so much for listening if you're an entrepreneur and you're looking to um, start investing in your network of support go to eonetwork.org and you can find out more Um, thank you very much for joining us thanks again Russ and we'll catch you in the next one hopefully in two weeks bye bye